This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. Hey, guess what? The weekend's here. I'm Rob, not that weekend. I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to Sports Bar Radio. Yes, the weekend is not here, but the weekend is here. Does that make any sense? I feel like we should start this again. All right, I'm Rob Bates, your Friday edition of Sports Bar Radio. I think I already said that. We got a lot to get to, man. This is a great day. We're on the verge of watching Canada fight for a gold medal over at the Tokyo Olympics when it comes to women's soccer. Evan Dunphy just got himself a bronze medal in speed walking. Yes, we will go back in the annals of time and bring you an interview that I had with Evan Dunphy just days before he went to Tokyo 2020. I wanted to play this interview for you today, and the reason I did is it's always cool to go back and say, okay, just before he went to Tokyo, before the race took place, where was his mind at? What was he thinking? And we have a 15-minute interview that we played a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to circle back on that because I think now that I listen back to it, there's a lot of telltale signs that his head was in the right place and good things were going to happen, and now he's walking around Tokyo with a big piece of metal around around his neck and uh, boy bronze at the Tokyo 2020 games is very cool all right before we get to that before we get to Major League Baseball the NFL and all the news and notes of the day let me get you to that one story oh you know where we're going with this one brother brother we're gonna go to that one story that rises above everybody else let me get you to the lead We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Okay, so usually when somebody from our own backyard ends up winning a medal at the Olympics, that becomes the lead regardless. But as we replay our interview with Evan Dunphy from a couple of weeks ago, the man who just won bronze in Tokyo for speedwalking, I want to get to a story that I think we've been following for months and it finally comes to its conclusion. As the Toronto Raptors have re-signed their president and vice chairman, Masai Ujiri. It is a huge deal for the Toronto Raptors organization to have somebody with familiarity, with a track record of excellence, and a guy that can really get in any room with any agent and any player in the National Basketball Association. Make no mistake about it, Masai Ujiri is the MVP of the Toronto Raptors right now. There is no player on that roster who means more to the city of Toronto and its credibility than Masai Ujiri. And the reason that it's important that this move happens now is the Raptors are in a transition phase. And trust me, if Masai goes to New York or goes to Los Angeles or goes to Houston or goes to insert American City here, Toronto becomes the outpost of the NBA again. And it doesn't matter if you got Drake on the sidelines. It doesn't matter if you got that NBA championship from a couple of years ago. Masai is the straw that stirs the drink. I don't know of any executive with any team in Canada that even remotely holds a candle to what Masai means to the Toronto Raptors. Say what you want about Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. Say what you want about some of the general managers and presidents amongst the NHL 7. Nobody means more to their respective Canadian team than Masai does to the Raptors. Here's why. In this day and age, players call the shots. 
You can say that you're the guy that's going to pull the strings, but at the end of the day, the players speak amongst themselves and they decide where they're going to go. I don't think I've ever seen another sport where players dictate the pace of what their teams and what their organizations are going to look like. You think of Miami, you think of Boston, you think of Los Angeles more recently, you think of all of these teams, Houston, Brooklyn, and they decide where they're going to go. And the general managers and the agents can get together, then you, in the blink of an eye, can change your fortunes by simply being in the right place at the right time and knowing how to handle all of the personalities that make up the National Basketball Association. Listen, Masai doesn't have the luxury of being in Los Angeles or New York. He has what we assume is a luxury of being in Canada, but it's not always seen like that by American players who don't want to come up and pay the taxes, who don't want to be in a secondary media market despite the fact that Toronto was the seventh biggest city in North America. Even though more and more players are starting to realize that Toronto is truly a big boy city, you need someone who can speak on their level, in their language, in a way that garners trust, respect, and consistency. The Raptors have that with Masai Ujiri. He is worth his weight in gold, and it's why MLSE decided that they were going to give him the vice chairman status. He needed equity, and he's now got it with an NBA franchise that's going to allow him to work on the Giants of Africa, which is a program that he's done for years, and also give him autonomy to do whatever it takes to make them a contender again. Hey, they might not be a contender this coming year, but if you know what's coming up on the horizon free agent-wise, Masai might be biding his time before he can make the big splash and get the Raptors back into the conversation in the Eastern Conference. Listen, this is Milwaukee's conference for the next couple of years, no matter how you slice it. Philadelphia, Chicago, they can all make moves. Boston can make moves. Miami can make moves. This is Milwaukee's world so long as Giannis, Chris Middleton, and the rest of the Bucks stay together because they are a team that not only won the championship, but are built for multiple runs towards the title. The only way that Toronto was going to be able to stay in the conversation, and we're not talking about wins and losses, but free agent conversations, agent conversations, and recommendations as to where a marquee player should go or could go, is by signing Masai Ujiri. It is the biggest signing that the Toronto Raptors have made since Kawhi Leonard, which, by the way, was a trade made by Masai Ujiri. I would say that this signing right now, with the relevance and the timing of where the Raptors are as an organization, I might go as far as to say is the biggest offseason signing in Toronto Raptors history. Without Masai in the fold, Toronto is so on the outside looking in. But with Masai in the fold, they are immediately a part of the conversation so long as he is there. That is how good his street cred is. I know it sounds like an infomercial for Masai Ujiri, but believe me, as a Raptors fan, we know that we needed Masai. Toronto and MLSC knew that they needed Masai Ujiri. So don't think that even though it took a little longer than maybe some of us would have liked to see him get locked in, that it wasn't his time, his number, and his decision to stay in Toronto. I am thrilled that the Raptors will be led by this man for the foreseeable future. All right, let's get to the rest of the stories. You know where we keep it. And yeah, you know we're going to go to Tokyo in just a couple of moments' time. Talk about Evan Dunphy, who we will play some audio of on the other side of the break. 
We had a 15-minute one-on-one with Evan Dumphy a couple of weeks ago just before the Olympic Games started, so I want to see if the checks and balances all work out. We knew what we were getting before he went over. I want to see if those thoughts ended up coming to fruition now that he has competed and found his way onto the podium. It's cool to do that, isn't it? We'll talk baseball. We'll talk a little soccer. We're going to get into all the news of the day. Let me get you to that one place where we house it. You know where we're going. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. The VIP room. They're back. A former quarterback now for Going in zone. Lawler again. And he's got it. Touchdown. Winnipeg. That's two tonight for Lawler. Both from Polaris. Oh, the audio courtesy of TSN. And yes, the Canadian Football League is back. And what a game they had to open up the 2021 season. After falling behind early in the first quarter, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers took the lead. They never looked back on way to winning their first home opener on Thursday night, 19-6 the final. Hamilton opened up the scoring on their first possession of the game, but after that, Winnipeg's defense was nasty. Kenny Lawler, no relation to Jerry the King, star of the show for the Blue Bombers. He scored two touchdowns while running back Brady Oliveira rushed for 126 on the ground. Willie Jefferson had a big game, showing why he won the 2019 Most Outstanding Defensive Player Award. He had an interception in the win. Zach Caleros, 18-28 for 217 through the air, two touchdowns. Jeremiah Masoli passed for 242, a touchdown and two picks. Next up for the Bombers, they will host the Toronto Argonauts. Next Friday, the Tiger Cats getting ready for a meeting with the Riders in Saskatchewan next Saturday. All right, let's very quickly dip our toes into Tokyo 2020. We will have that interview with Evan Dunphy, the Speedwalker, in just a couple of moments' time. But there is another person of Canadian descent who has struck gold over in Tokyo 2020. His name is Damian Warner, and in my estimation, he has received gold in the toughest of all events at the Games, the recipient of the gold medal in the Olympic decathlon. It was steamy in Tokyo, and Warner was as cool as a cucumber. He has the highest score ever in an Olympic decathlon on his way to Canada's first gold medal in one of the oldest and most storied events of the Olympiad. In the 100 meters, the first of 10 events, he put down a 10.12, which almost would have qualified him for the 100 meter final a few nights earlier. He then jumps 8.24 meters in the long jump. That would have been enough for the bronze in the men's long jump overall. Then was able to master the hurdles, the pole vault, and capped off the competition with a 1500 meters in four minutes, 31 seconds to get the gold for Canada. Now, in decathlon, 9,000 points is pretty much, as some would call it, the holy grail for a competitor. It has only been achieved three times. And even the legend Michael Smith, who competed in the decathlon in three Olympic Games for Canada, never got to 9,000. Smith himself said, quote, It's like Mike Weir winning the Masters. It's like Wayne Gretzky winning the Stanley Cup. This is the pinnacle of sport. Golf is awesome. Hockey is awesome. But track and field is bigger. Smith is now an analyst for CBC Sports in Tokyo. 
All right, to the diamond we go, and don't look now, but the Toronto Blue Jays fan base is getting excited. Why? Because the Blue Jays are 8-2 in their past 10, they've won three in a row, and are now getting ready to take on the team that they are chasing in the standings, at least one of them, in the Boston Red Sox. This could be the push that the Toronto Blue Jays need, as now they get ready to take on some of their rivals in the American League East. It has been fantastic over the last two weeks for Toronto, who find themselves a season-high eight games above 500. Six and a half back at Tampa Bay, but just two and a half games behind in the wild card chase. They're two and a half games back of Boston, by the way. That series opening up in a couple hours' time. It'll be Nathan Eovaldi getting the ball for Boston, nine and six with a 3.71 ERA. Opposite former Vancouver Canadian Alec Manoa, three and one with a 2.47 ERA. And as the Toronto Blue Jays heat up in the East, struggles for the Seattle Mariners in the American League West, who have now lost two in a row, four and six in their past 10. And the struggles now have them seven and a half games back of Houston in the American League West, three and a half games back in the wildcard standing. They are now at Yankee Stadium, getting ready to take on New York in a very crucial series for the Mariners, who are six games above 500, but right now trailing the Oakland A's by three and a half games. And again, as mentioned, seven and a half back of Houston, who have also lost two in a row. Hottest team in baseball over the last week, it's the Philadelphia Phillies, who have won five consecutive games, getting ready to take on the team that they trail by just one half game in the National League East, Yes, they are at home to take on the New York Mets. Should Philadelphia make it six straight, they will move into first place. Atlanta has also won three in a row. They've made up some ground on the Mets, who are three and seven in their past ten. How about this division? The East has the Mets up a half game by Philadelphia, one and a half by Atlanta, and all three of them ready to make the push towards the finish line. Well, we mentioned the Messiah Jury is back with the Toronto Raptors. I think that's the 30th time that I have mentioned him by name on this broadcast. There's still a couple of decent free agents that are out there. I'm not sure if Masai is going to go 31. I'm not sure if he's going to go for any of them, but notable free agents that are still available right now, including Avery Bradley, who last season suited up for the Houston Rockets, Dennis Schroeder, who was with the Lakers a season ago, Andre Iguodala with the Miami Heat a season ago, and some guy named... Kawhi Leonard, who is no longer with the Los Angeles Clippers, or at least not as we have this broadcast. Wouldn't that be something? But I don't think Kawhi is a fit with the rebuilding Raptors. Well, to the ring, Manny Pacquiao says that he wants no part of a fight against Jake Paul or any of the Paul brothers, but he would be down for a match against Floyd Mayweather. He did not shut the door when asked by a reporter if he would be ready for a Pacquiao-Mayweather 2 fight. He's 42 years old. He's still training in Los Angeles and says that he wants a fight that will add to his legacy, which means the Paul brothers are definitely out, no matter what the payday is. But since he is down to take on Mayweather, who is retired, saying that Floyd is invited to the Spence fight. Well, if you scour the internet hard enough, you will find right now a story on TMZ Sports that shows Trevor Bauer's accuser and her alleged injuries, and her attorney saying that they could not be consensual. Trevor Bauer has said that he has proof his accuser admitted in writing that at least one of their sexual encounters was consensual, but Bauer, who is currently on administrative leave from the Dodgers, can't be thrilled that these pictures have made their way to the media. But the attorney for Bauer's alleged victim, Brian Friedman, actually asked TMZ Sports to publish the unredacted photograph showing his client's alleged injuries, 
saying that the damage could not possibly be part of a consensual encounter, saying, quote, look at this picture. No one, absolutely nobody, can consent to this logically or legally. Trevor Bauer's team continues to try and abuse an assault victim. They need to stop now, unquote. The alleged victim and her family requested this photo be released per Friedman. That is just an unfortunate situation no matter how that one ends, and you do hope that justice is found. And finally, Donald Trump has ripped Megan Rapinoe and the United States Women's National Soccer Program, saying, quote, Wokesters cost U.S. the gold medal. The Donald said, if our soccer team, which is headed by a radical group of leftist maniacs, wasn't woke, they would have won the gold medal instead of the bronze. Woke means you lose. Everything that is woke goes bad, and our soccer team certainly has. They should replace the wokesters with patriots and start winning again. The woman with the purple hair played terribly and spends too much time thinking about radical left politics and not doing her job. Donald Trump probably seeing this on the heels of the United States Women's National Program taking a knee prior to the kickoff of their Olympic Games this summer, a continued effort by the squad to raise awareness for injustice around the world. The U.S., if you remember, lost a chance to earn a gold medal by falling to Canada back on, to Canada back on Monday. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to slow it down and yet speed it up because we're going to talk about Olympic speed racing. Congratulations to Evan Dunphy, who just hours ago won a bronze medal for our country. We are going to replay an interview that we did with him about, I'm going to say, three, four weeks ago when he was getting ready for the Olympic Games. Let's see what he was saying before he was on his way to Tokyo. Now that we know the outcome, let's go back in time and see how his preparation was going and if it matches the end result. I love this kind of stuff. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. Every one of these shows is brought to you by Equity Guru. We will be back after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by me and my new enterprise, Nation Extreme Wrestling. Hey, what would happen if a wrestling mark from way back decided that he was going to start his own wrestling promotion here at home and have some of the most talented wrestlers in North America hang out with him? I'll tell you what, you can follow our journey at www.nationextremewrestling.com and stay tuned for show dates in the coming months. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru. All right, Friday edition of Sports Bar Radio, we made it. It's the weekend, and you know what? All things considered, the smoke has not engulfed the lower mainland the way that I thought it was going to a couple of days ago. My fingers are crossed that the worst is over and that these firefighters are going to be able to contain some of these blazes that are going on throughout the province of British Columbia. I know that there's a big one right now between Vernon and Kamloops. But I'm hoping for good things this weekend. So let's keep our fingers crossed and let's stay vigilant to make sure that we don't contribute to any more man-made fires in this province. There's already enough going on. We don't need to add to the chaos. So please make sure that you're not lighting fires on any campsites or any parks or anywhere. Let's keep this province intact. It is bone dry across the province. We desperately need some rain. But more than anything, we need a little common sense. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to a Olympian that's got plenty of common sense. He goes by the name of Evan Dunphy, and he's in one of those sports that everybody kind of snickers at. Speed walking. 
You know, where everybody walks really, really fast and does it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 kilometers. Think about that. 50 kilometers that Evan Dunphy just conquered and won a bronze medal at the Tokyo 2020 Games is basically five consecutive sun runs. And he did it in under four hours. It's amazing to me that he could walk that in under four hours. Part of the reason that he found his way onto the podium. But you know, the thing that I like about this is we can run back some tape of an interview that we had about a month and a half before he was going over to Tokyo to kind of see where his mind was at before this race, before he got into the chaos that was on the other side of the water. And just to check all the boxes of what he thought was going to happen, his mindset about what he was going to do when he got over there, and just if he lived up to all the expectations that he was placing on himself. So here is my one-on-one -on -one interview with now bronze medal winner from the Tokyo 2020 Games, Speedwalker and Richmond native Evan Dunphy. Yeah, especially right now, uh, training's really ramping up. So, you know, a normal day would just get some breakfast in, lots of sugar. So, uh, you know, some pretty pretty low quality cereal, maybe some Fruit Loops, uh, and then get out the door. Today was just an easy 10K this morning, but, uh, you know, some mornings will be, will be harder sessions, some will be longer. Uh, right now I'm doing about 180 kilometers a week of walking. So, um, you know, every, I'm out there every day, most day, most weeks or most days, sorry, twice a day. Uh, just a lot of time spent walking and time in the gym and then as well, physio and recovery and stretching and all that other stuff that goes with it. Walk me through the challenges of your sport and maybe some of the stigmas that you fight. Race walking is really interesting, especially in Vancouver, because, uh, you know, myself, my, my former teammates, Naki Gomez, Ben Thorne, like we were we're a sport that you're out there you're very visible you know i we do all of our training on the roads uh you know in front of people so um it's not like maybe the fencers or the badminton players who are in a warehouse sort of you never see them we're out there all the time so i've been doing this now for 20 years uh most people in the community recognize me know who i am know what i'm doing so it's so different than it was 10 15 years ago where you get cars honking at you and 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 you know people making fun of you go past the high school and people would laugh and you know now i go past the high schools and people go oh my god Devin, like hey evan like how's it going and stuff it's uh, it's really cool to see that and and you know at the end of the day like i know that i'm not gonna be uh, the go-to role model for the kids that are playing hockey, the kids that are playing basketball, football, they have their role models. Their, their role models are on TV every night. But for those kids who, who are maybe playing, you know, the sports that, that aren't getting the same uh, recognition in Canada or the same media airplay, maybe I can, I can step in there. I go to a school talk and connect with one of those kids. That can be a role model for, for that kid. Um, you know, that, that's really the, the kind of the niche that, that I want to fill with, um, with what is admittedly a really niche thing to do. I'm going to get to a tweet that you put out. I want to say just probably before you went to bed last night or sometime in the afternoon about the Olympic games. But before we get to that specific tweet, let's talk about the Olympic games, because this is a, a games that has been pushed back training and athletics and the olympics it's all about timing or at least i've heard that from multiple people you're training to get to that specific two-week window and dare i say even a two-day window at the olympic games how hard has it been for you to try to train for a specific point and then all of a sudden have that point keep moving on you to be honest it wasn't that challenging for me um first and foremost was because last year coming into march like, i was dealing with some some niggling hamstring issues it was just like, okay, how do I stay in one piece until August? Um, and so there, there's a lot of stress involved with that. And as soon as the games got postponed, it was like, okay, take the foot off the gas pedal, get healthy, get everything like 
you know, take the time that I needed to, to fully recover and then come back and, and start hammering it again. And, and so it was a, a blessing for me to have that extra time to, to get fully healthy. And, and it's, you know, allowed me to reconnect with actually loving training. Whereas before it was like every training session was painful and it was just wasn't fun anymore. So in that regard, it's been really easy for me. At the same time, athletes tend to, we build up this idea of like, oh, we have the Olympics once every four years and that's our moment. But there's still meets ever, or, you know, in, in track and field, there's still competitions every year that you want to be uh, peaking for, whether it's a world championship, Commonwealth games, Pan American games, whatever it is, there's always something on that target, you on that calendar you want to target and be raring to go for. So uh, it's not like it was going to be the Olympics end in 2020 and then I'd be a slob for three years and then train for a year for the next Olympics. It's, you know, you're always, you're always kind of going and, and preparing. So pushing things back a year wasn't a, as hard, um, you know, a, a, as, as it may have, may have seemed, but I also admit that I was really lucky. I mean, I, I do a sport where I just have, I need shoes and road. Um, so throughout the entire pandemic, I was able to, to get out there and, and still, still be active and, um, and actually, you know, saw a lot more people out being active, which, and I think a lot of people have took that time to really reconnect with the, the value of a good walk, uh, which was really cool to see. You know, one thing I've appreciated in doing a little bit of research for this interview is that you really do put the volunteers into the conversation when it comes to the Olympic games. We talk about the athletes and the IOC and all the powers that be, but there are tens of thousands of people behind the scenes that are making these events happen and bringing this to the world. And I just want to paraphrase one of the tweets that you said, because it was quote, a random thought of the night when you said, what happens if in July, all of these Japanese Olympic volunteers decide that they're unvaccinated in an Olympics that the public doesn't want or is not worth the time or the risk. How many no-shows are needed before the games grind to a halt? It's a crazy good question that I don't think a lot of people have asked here because we're so fixated on simply pushing these games through. There's a human element to this. The Olympics this year is one of those, it's such a nuanced discussion and there's so much room for for arguments on all sides of it, of, of whether it should be happening or not, um, you know, at, just at, that, at that essence, like that argument and discussion is so critical and nuanced. And um, I mean, one of the things about being a race walker and going out and walking 40K in training by myself is that I have a lot of time to think. <laughs> you know, you, send, you go out there for a three and a half hour long walk, you get a lot of time to reflect on things. And uh, so that was just one of the things I was reflecting on yesterday. I was like, well, what makes the Olympics happen? We have all these playbooks that tell us how we're going to reduce, you know, our risk as athletes and as staff and, and all that stuff. But the volunteers are being told you're not going to be vaccinated unless you get vaccinated in your normal spot in line in Japan. And you're you know, basically you're being told it's your responsibility to, you know, combat coronavirus. And it's like, well, world governments haven't done a very good job of that. Why are we, why are we shouldering that burden onto, onto these volunteers? You just want to do, you know, their civic duty. Um, uh, so it's, it's something I reckon with and, and you know, wonder quite, quite a lot about because these Olympics need to, Olympics need to create value for, for the places that they're hosted. And even in normal times, I think they're starting to stray further and further away from that and causing um, a, a lot more harm to marginalized communities than, than, than good. Um, and then this is, I think, just gets magnified this year with everything, uh, with everything else so uh, it, it was just a thought that popped in my head of like well, yeah if 10,000 don't show up what happens what, what you know do the, do the buses stop like yeah so it, it'll be interesting to see how how it all goes Evan you brought up another good point what does a guy talk about or think about to himself when he's walking for all those kilometers 
Uh, it's <laughs> the, the, the best <laughs> training walks I ever have, I have are like when, uh, you know, my coach will come out on the bike and carry my, my drinks and stuff for me. And, uh, and we'll just, we'll, we'll solve the world's problems in three and a half hours. <laughs> it's just, it just, we'll, we'll talk about whatever, whatever comes up. And, uh, especially back when, when I was in university and, uh, you know, my, my teammates were always much smarter than I was. And it was, it was always really fun to just sit back in the pack and listen to them, you know, talk about world events, uh, as, as this little sort of naive 18 year old, um, just really is some of my like formative moments of, of uh, you know, my young life was just listening to my teammates talk about the world and my coach and stuff. So it, it's really cool in that regard. And if I'm on my own, I'll put my headphones in, listen to a podcast, maybe, maybe put some Taylor Swift on. It's a good combination. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? There's some kids that have missed out on a whole year of sport. And in some cases, some training, like, for example, volleyball players haven't been able to get into the gym. Now, I know your sport, you're very fortunate. In fact, you just open up the door and the road is there. But what advice would you have to somebody in grade 11 or grade 12 mentally right now that is like, oh, my God, my scholarship, how am I supposed to move forward? How am I supposed to get to school? It's a really broad stroke question. But Evan, is there any advice if you were hypothetically back in that time again that maybe you would give yourself now and say, you know what, you can get through this, but here's some of the tips you might want to look into. First and foremost, it comes back to me. Just make sure you're having fun. Find find ways to enjoy it. Um, you know, if you're if you're a volleyball player, I don't want to uh, you know, pretend like I know uh, the ins and outs of all this. But gra- grab your family, grab a spike ball set, and just go and play some spike ball. Have some fun with your family. Like, just first and foremost, like get back to that root of like what got you into the sport in the first place. We all started sport because we enjoyed it. You know that that's what uh, at its essence kept us in it and, and kept us going. And so I think you know, in these really tough times and they are really tough times. And, and my heart really goes out to those kids, especially as you say, those grade 11 and 12s who, uh, you know, the, the future is kind of up in the air now because of this, but you know, as, as much as possible, just go back to those roots. Remember why you, you fell in love with the sport in the first place and, and make sure you're making time to just play and, and have some fun with it in, in whatever form that looks like in whatever ways, you know, safe and possible to do. It's amazing that you can encapsulate all that in like 90 seconds. Take, I ask this of every single person that I interview, and it's amazing the spectrum of answers that I get. Take me to one place in your lifetime where you thought, how did I get here? Maybe it's a, a moment with a celebrity. Maybe you found yourself at the top of Machu Picchu. One moment in your life somewhere at some point where you looked around and you're like, how did this kid get into this situation or moment? For for me, it's, it's looking back on that Olympic Games in Rio, looking back on everything that unfolded from you know, from finishing fourth to then being third and then finishing fourth again. Um, and just looking back on that whole experience and thinking, my God, like what, look at what sport has turned me into. Like I, I was that kid who grew up, I was a sore loser. I was, you know, the bashing hockey sticks against the glass. I was, I was, I was not, I was not in it for the right reasons. Winning was how I defined my success. And then so I had great coaches, great mentors who who taught me and, and helped me grow and learn. And then that moment in Rio to be able to look back on that and say, wow, like, look how far sport has brought me. Like, I can I can stand here confidently and say, I don't need a medal to define success for me. I'm, I'm happy with my race because it was my race. Um, you know, that's just that moment of showing, like, how far sport can can help bring us and help us grow was you know, something I'll treasure forever. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you brought it up, I'm going to at least kind of circle back to those uh, Olympic Games in 2016. It was one of the uh, big talking points, the disqualification. And then, of course, you went from fourth into third, and then all of a sudden they appealed, and then you got pushed back down to fourth. Mentally, 
how did you cope with all of those moments? I mean, it's euphoria, it's frustration, it's euphoria, it's frustration. How did you cope with that three to four weeks? Oh, I, the, the, I, the day, I'd say that the three to four hours immediately post it were, were really the only time where it was up and down, up and down. And it was, it was one of those moments where like, I, I, the best way I can describe it, there's a moment of brevity that came when my teammate Ben Thorne. So, you know, everyone's tiptoeing around the issue after the race. No one wants to talk to me about it. No one wants yep. to, you know, all that sort of stuff. And the night before in the women's four by one, the American team had been disqualified because someone they got interfered with and there's an appeal. And then they said, okay, we'll run the race again. If you run, if you run a fast enough time, we'll put you into the final. And so after about 20 minutes, uh, of no one really telling me what was going on. My teammate Ben Thorne just looked at me and goes, well, why don't you and Hiroki just do the race again tomorrow and, you know, and, and, and see and see what the result is. And and for me, that just broke everything. As soon as he said that and I was able to laugh, it was just like, okay, like this, yeah, this doesn't matter. Like this is this is fine. Whatever whatever comes of this will come of it. And um, I just needed that moment of brevity to, to break it all up and, and to be able to sort of put it into perspective and, um, you know, as soon as as soon as that moment happened, as soon as I said I'm not going to appeal this, uh, I never gave it a second thought. I don't know if you were friends with him before that. Did you become friends with him after that? Were there ever paths that crossed before or after? Yeah, since since then we you know it, it's it's hard obviously with language barriers, but um, you know we've we've crossed paths at, at world championships and stuff. Uh, since then he's he's come to Australia and trained with us. We've become you know as good as friends as you can be on Twitter and, and on, on social media. Which I mean we're so lucky in this day and age to be able to even have that. But um, no, it, it's it's great. It's one of those things that you know we'll we'll cherish we'll both cherish that moment for the rest of our lives and, and have that special connection because of it. I think that's awesome. You have such a good approach to that. I know it's like several years removed, but the way that you just speak about it speaks to sportsmanship, which is kind of a big deal in this day and age when it's all about bat flips and, you know, uh, talking up after your dunks and stuff like that. It's nice that you can have a civil moment despite the chaos that surrounds you. Do you appreciate how you handled that moment at the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised by myself almost because it, it, it wasn't until that moment that I, I kind of realized that's where I was at in, in that in, in my life. Um, you know, it takes a moment like that. It takes an, a, a, you know, a, a fork in the road, so to speak, to really be like, oh, yeah, okay, wow, like that's who I, that's who I am. Sweet, I'll, I'll take that. Um, so, so yeah, I'm really proud of of, uh, of how that whole whole thing unfolded and, and the opportunity that's given me the you know the platform and the voice it's given me um, since then, especially uh, in the community volunteering realm to be able to give back and, and use that story to um, you know to help others has been the best part by far you've given a lot to kids sport you talk about what you do in the community i always see you at the events it is a thrill for when they anytime an olympian walks through the door i immediately look at the kids that they got in the holding area and stuff and it's so cool when the kids finally click and realize oh my god this guy's been to the olympic games when you do these events why do you do these events you know, I I was very lucky growing up. I had I was afforded every opportunity I wanted, any sport I wanted to try was. You know, my, my parents had the privilege to be able to say, okay, yeah, we, we can try that. And um, you know, I got to, as I said, like I got to learn and grow and and mature through sport. And the idea that that opportunity was afforded to me out of privilege and it's not available to everyone doesn't sit well with me. And and kids sport in particular does such a good job of making sure those opportunities are available to any kid that wants it and so um, it's such an easy thing to get on board and support because 
I am who I am because of sport. And I want every kid to get that same opportunity I had to, to fall in love with something and, and pursue your goals and your dreams and, and see the kind of person you come out the other end as. Um, so it's, it's a really easy choice to, to get on board, especially with kids sport. Well, I appreciate you doing this with me right after your training. Are you two a days? Are you going to go out this afternoon to do some more? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go out for a nice little speed session this afternoon, get some hard work done. I went out for a walk with my wife last week and we just did Coquitlam and I only did like 15 kilometers. We did it over three hours, stopped at a Greek restaurant, had some potatoes and my feet hurt for two days. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to see my feet, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll make you a deal. We'll both keep them under wraps. <laughs> Your time was invaluable for me. So thank you for this. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's always, always a pleasure to chat and to, to chat with you. So yeah, no, my pleasure. Awesome. One of the coolest guys that I have ever interviewed, and I'm not just saying that because he's got a bronze medal around his neck from the Tokyo 2020 Games, just one of those guys that is truly inspiring. You know, he has been at all of these kids' sport events, be it in Richmond or in South Surrey. He's always there for the kids. He's always giving back to his community. He's got a website called Dunphy Walks, and it is definitely worth your time. He tells of his story. He tells of the things that he's trying to do socially to gain interest in the sport of speed walking, and I am just so impressed. So congratulations to Evan. He is a bronze medal winner at the Tokyo 2020 Games. All right, let's wrap up. It's in the books, another week of Sports Bar Radio. I want to say thanks to Jay Swing, my producer extraordinaire, my brother from another mother, and to everybody over at Equity Guru. Hey, we got a big announcement coming up of a new sponsor that's going to be joining us here on Sports Bar Radio. But for now, I want to once again tip my cap to everybody over at Equity Guru. In particular, Chris Perry, thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. My thanks to Galen, to J.P. Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again on Monday, I am Rob Faye. Have yourself a safe and enjoyable weekend. And let's do this again in a couple of days' time. Please like, please subscribe, and more than anything, share the word of what we're doing. We're starting to resonate not just in Canada, but we are now registering in 17 other countries around the world. We're doing it. All these expats that want to get their sports fix are now checking in on Sports Bar Radio, and that means that we are starting to finally get over the hump and make this a part of your daily experience. Until you and I get together for another experience on Monday, I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a fantastic day. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.